Welcome back to the Fit CFO Show. I'm your host, Amanda Hankwist, and together with my husband, Sean, we created this podcast as a way to help you reach your business's financial goals. We will break down common financial myths and mistakes in business and share with you the tools and knowledge to take your business to the next level. Our hope is that you will become financially equipped for success in your business and in turn help our mission to make this world a healthier place. show, Sean and I are going through our thoughts on the 2022 Coaching Con event that Jason Phillips put out. We are going to come at it though from a financial perspective. After all, finances are the core of each business and ultimately without the financial part, none of us have an actual business. It may be a good idea to stop what you're doing and take some notes on this one. This is the Fit CFO Show. So Sean and I recently got back from uh, Jason Phillips uh, Coaching Con 2022. And it's kind of cool because I remember when this was an idea and we went to that event when it was talked about like Mm -hmm. two years ago and then COVID hit, you know, and, and everything, of course, the whole world stopped and everything got pushed back. So it was really neat to see what it was originally meant to be to now seeing like how huge and how big of a deal it became. Yeah. I mean, definitely over delivered and it was something bigger and I thought it was going to be, it was absolutely amazing. And the lineup of speakers were tremendous and just tons of value. Such a cool event. Yeah. And so we kind of thumbed through our notes because I love to nerd out on notes and go back through them and, you know, try to have little takeaways that we can put into actionable um, steps within our business in relation to what we do with Fit CFO. And I think a lot of times too, we can put these into our personal lives. And I've even noticed this week, just myself stepping things up a little bit, not complaining as much. Um, just doing the work instead of overthinking it and then ultimately pushing it off. I don't know how you feel, but yeah, I think you, just want be a, you just want to be a better person when you're you do. You just want to be a better human when you're <laughs> I'm waking up earlier. I'm just I'm doing just that energy. Yes. I should yes. be doing all the time. So that's it was so funny. I got up at 4:50 the other day, 4:50 a.m. and I was like, oh, I overslept. Damn it. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. This is me who normally can't get my butt out of bed before 5 30 AM saying that I overslept at 4 50. So that is the power of surrounding yourself with amazing energy. Yeah. I mean, you just, you wish you could have that weekly in your life, but you know, yeah. you obviously you just can't travel to all the different conferences, but it's so uh-huh. cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. So what we did is we took a bunch of notes and then I kind of thumbed through some of the notes that really spoke out to me. And I wanted to kind of give our thoughts from a fit CFO perspective and put our own little like financial spin in a way on it. Um, Not all of it's financial, but I think a lot of it can relate. So one thing that stood out to me that I thought was really a great point, and obviously speaking towards health and fitness professionals, referring to um, don't sell a commodity, but sell a community. And, And that's really referring to, you know, don't just be like a macro coach. Don't just, you know, sell, basically sell yourself for dollars, right? Trading time for dollars. We talk about that a lot. 
Um, but I think the same thing can be said as in what, what it is that like your CPA does. So for example, we get clients or prospects sometimes that come to us saying, you know, I'm not happy with my CPA or accountant. Um, they, they filed my taxes. I didn't save that much money in taxes. And now I would, they, they want me to pay this bill for, you know, several hundred dollars. And, and so to me that, that relates to being a sort of a commodity trade because you're not getting strategy from that CPA. You're not getting any kind of, you know, forward motion future, like ideas on a strategy. And so of course you're going to be upset. However, when you're hiring a CPA for that, that's what you're hiring them to do. So can you, yeah, yeah, can you elaborate on that a little bit? They're doing their job and what they're supposed to be doing. And that's data entry. You're providing them your income and your expenses. They're putting the data entries in. And if there's any tax credits or deductions that they have right there at their fingertips and making sure that the tax return is compliant with the IRS and they did their job and you pay them and you move on and you're not necessarily paying them for forward or proactive advice. And and that's where the model, um, in our opinion, needed to change a little bit. Yep. They're not going to give you strategy on, um, you know, we just did a, a zoom group call where we talked about the Augusta rule. Like they're not going to give you those sort of pointers because first of all, you're not going to have time to implement that. Well, you're, you're probably at their office on April 15th, trying to get this all done. And, and by that point, Hell it's week. too late. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So we, so- we've definitely taken a different approach here. Like we're, we're definitely taking the proactive, let's work with you on the tax strategy throughout the year. And then obviously come tax time, it's just data entry. Yeah, exactly. Which I know that you guys can relate to from a coaching standpoint, because it's hard for you to compare your services as a knowledgeable, certified, you probably have multiple certifications, health and fitness professional. When you're comparing maybe somebody on Instagram that has 2 million followers and they have a subscription model for $14 a month that they're selling like that two different, completely different models. Right. Um, and so that's, I think what they mean by, um, don't sell a commodity, but sell a community. You are creating a brand. You're creating this, you know, this thing that people want to belong to. I think Jason said all of this stuff, but knowing your numbers and why it's important. And then, uh, he talked about, and I think this is great because he talks about reverse engineering the sale. And I like the idea. And I know that he's coming at it from like, a probably more of a sales standpoint, but I want to come at it from more of a financial standpoint because um, we need to reverse our numbers. So sometimes when we get people that come to us, it's not a matter of lowering their expenses, right? But sometimes it's a matter of you just need to generate more revenue. Sure. Yeah, that's that's pretty powerful too. Is like sometimes um, your job is to increase revenue, and that's how you're going to be able to outrun. Because there is sometimes a business for a set amount of fixed expenses that the business has to outrun. So you do need to figure out how many sales, what's what you need to charge um, to be able to get out of that. So you don't have to keep just grinding totally um, in the business. and figure out what you need to do to get out of it. Right. And grow that revenue. So that makes, yeah, that's interesting. You bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, we always talk about how there's seasons for, um, you know, reverse dieting or in season, uh, improvement season, in season, et cetera, there's different seasons. And 
I look at business being the same. There's different seasons in our business too. There's seasons of growth and there's seasons of drawback. And so um, we don't always want to have to be grinding 14 hours a day for like the rest of our freaking lives, right? Like that's not why we got into this. And so you've got to have that reverse engineering skill to be able to say, you know what, we got to, we got to plan for this. We got to have, figure out what we want this to look like five, 10 years from now, essentially. Yeah. Well, and I think you know, like when you first said like knowing your numbers and why it's important and who said that in a roundabout way, every single one of the speakers said it. That's funny that you said that because my, literally my next note here is what did all of the speakers have in common? And I wrote that. They, what they did said, all the speakers have in common? Take care of your finances. Take care of your finances. Have yep. a profitable business, save money. So like, for example, Rob Bailey, if mm-hmm. they didn't have profitable business, they didn't take care of their finances. They wouldn't have been buying that $2.5 million house in Mexico. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Billy Jean did not have been showing his Lambo on the big screen there. Right. And son. And Mallette wouldn't be buying islands, flying on private jets. What do you say? He had three $30 million houses. I think three. Yeah. And, and now three. an island. <laughs> now he owns an island. <laughs> and he was the one. I mean, he really preached on the profitability and well, saving. he drove the i'm gonna get this wrong the mercedes benz that wasn't a mercedes benz it was a it was um, a kit car it was a kit car it yeah was like I, a, something else it was like the chassis Chrysler of something the, else but yeah that was so funny. <laughs> he, he was the one that he admits he faked he, it, to it he embellished that good but that was that was hilarious he's and probably got that story was, somewhere out there another thing that each and every one of them said I mean, I can't verify if it's true. Not one of them had, um, I, I, know I can't confirm that with Rob because he does a lot of real estate and stuff, but I remember Ed saying specifically, um, no debts, doesn't no own anything to any bank, Ryan Stuman, nothing to any banks. Like, and I will say we are believers in, in leveraging, uh, or getting, you know, taking out debt before you need it and leveraging it appropriately. Well, I'm going to say it is, it is. But it is a new day. I mean, I think things were a little bit different and they are a little bit different now, but I don't think that you have to take out tons and tons of debt to be successful. I think you have well, to be smart with thing, those dollars. A lot, of times, a lot of times we're talking about taking out debt before you need it is getting a line of credit established of maybe 100,000, 200,000, wherever your business relevance is mm-hmm. and not using it. It's a zero balance. You're not paying any interest but it's available to you if you need it as a backstop. I kind of want to mention, because we talk a lot and we probably should have, should have talked about this in our leverage or our um, laws of liquidity podcast, because I come from somebody that happens to be quite spendy at a younger age. And I think if, you know, when we are talking about taking out debt and leveraging debt, we are talking about being a, smart business owner. We're not talking about, oh, cool. Now I'm going to go buy a whole bunch of shit that I don't need. Well, and and taking out and leveraging debt. Also, if you're going to leverage debt, you need to probably be buying an appreciating asset like real estate. Appreciating asset. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? To use that leverage to its advantage. So exactly. That's a perfect point. I guess what I'm trying to get at is I don't want, you know, people to take our advice. If you have a spending issue, it might be best just to not take out the debt. And it's kind of one of those things I've we've read clients over the time is because yes, let's have credit cards. Let's have this as a backstop. But happens if you're a spender, sometimes that gives you a license to spend money. Yeah. And that's, 
So you just kind of have to know like your personality. Are you okay with being disciplined and making sure that's just for emergencies or you're just going to like, oh, <laughs> hello. Are you the, uh, the client that can't have the cookie jar in front of them all the time without taking all the cookies out? Yeah, exactly. And another thing that comes with knowing your numbers is um, Jason brought this up was um, going through the KPIs of a business. So they're kind of going through their systems and he was talking about knowing your revenue and then knowing your profits. Okay. So this comes in line with knowing your numbers. Like there's a lot of early entrepreneurs that just doesn't just the understanding of separation of finances is just not there because like, Hey, it's all in the same, right? My business is me and I have personal bills. I have business bills. I just going to commingle the funds. And, um, we look at it that way. Like if you're going to do that, I mean, sure. Can you, but you're never going to know truly how well your business is doing by commingling and not having separation of funds. And that's one of the biggest things we see in the early entrepreneurship of um, not having real numbers to have access to, to know how well your business is doing. And, and Amanda and I have chatted about this here this week about when you're working with a business mentor, you're working with someone. And if you don't know your real numbers, like what are you really telling them? And, right. and how, how are they supposed to give you the proper advice when they don't know the true story? Yeah. And a lot of businesses are uh, set up that way. You just don't know the true story because and sometimes the owner treats that, that business as a piggy bank. And there's a lot of personal stuff inside that business. Mm-hmm. And like, we don't know the trail, pr- true profit margin of that business. And, and it doesn't even come really down to a budgeting issue. It just comes down to a separation issue. If you get you know all of your business uh, income or everything that's coming in into its own operations account, you have everything separated from business and personal, meaning, you know, obviously if you buy coffee out of your business account and you can honestly, it's an ordinary necessary expense, et cetera, et cetera, that's different, right? But we're not going to be paying our personal rent or our personal mortgage out of our business account. We've got to have those completely separated. Because at the end of the day, it's all your money anyways, but that's not what we're trying to figure out here. We're like all these wealthy, awesome influencer speakers are like, know your numbers, no. Mm-hmm know what your profit margin, what but you would never know what your profit margin is if you didn't keep it separate and yep. kept your business honest. Is it's what we're not a real do. number. Yep. Exactly. So you can't move, you know, your, your business mentor, your finance coach, like us, we couldn't, we couldn't give you any real advice to pull any specific levers in your business. If it's all commingled and we don't know what truly is happening inside that business. Yeah. I mean, I really think we nailed that one. And I do appreciate that they, I I feel like it wasn't talked about much when we first started Fit CFO. And I feel like it's really becoming a thing to talk about the difference between revenue and profit. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think it's because this is a high margin, like fast paced, scalable Mm -hmm. industry that that you can make a lot of cash and make a lot of money quickly. And a lot of money is going out the drain and not, and the wealth is not being created like it should be. And I think that's where these influencers are doing a great job now is to try to like Mm -hmm. set the stage of like when they were younger and they were growing up and how they did it and how they finally the light bulb went off. And it was when they started focusing on their finances and now they're preaching that, that it's not this big, sexy game, right? It's just like, okay, you start, we started here. We realized we were being stupid. We got control of our numbers. now. And it happens. It happens, but don't be, you know, don't continue to be that way now that you know that you are like, right. So, um, but yeah, knowing, you know, 
the fact that the industry is talking about the difference between revenue and profit, I am truly happy about. For sure. And I like to think that we had a little bit to do with that, hopefully. We're trying. We're going to play We're our trying. part. <laughs> um, okay. So moving on. So one of the speakers that I personally really enjoyed, and I know you did too, was Ryan Steumann. Um, I would have to say he's up there as one of my favorite. Just the, uh-huh. the energy that he I mean, the language is a little out there, but I can't, it was kind of funny. <laughs> I Yeah. I mean, hilarious. He was a funny guy, but got down to business too. You did. Right, we can definitely um, relate what, to that. So what really stuck with me, man, it was pretty powerful. And uh, he had quite a few of his team uh, members there and they were talking about the core values of their business. And yep. he was literally just calling them out in front of 500 people. What's core value number one, you know, right. and what's core value number two, just like and, on the spot. And what was really cool and what resonated with me is like, they believe in that. Like it felt like they were going to bleed for oh, their values. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, and you and I were talking about teams and developing teams. And as you grow, that is the kind of culture you're going to need to be able to be successful. And it was, it just really resonated with me. What were a few of those? Did you write any of them down? Yeah, I did. So, and these really resonate with me. These are funny because they're not, it's not funny, but it's ironic because we literally, excuse me, we talk about this to our kids a lot. And the first one was we do the work even when we don't want to. And, mm-hmm. and I resonate with this, especially, um, I, I just think this is so many different areas of life, not just business, but also personal life. Um, there's just been so many times where I haven't wanted to cook the food for the trip, or I haven't wanted to do the food prep midweek. I haven't wanted to do the dishes. I wanted to leave them for the next morning. Just so many different areas of life where I didn't want to do the work, but that is when you leave the feelings aside and you do it anyway. That's pretty powerful. I love it. Yep. The next one is F your excuses. I should have had you say that one. I don't know. Sometimes sometimes it flows for me and other times I'm like, oh, I'm not going to say that. They literally have, (laughs) I think Ryan has fuck your excuses on on a tattooed on him, but he goes a lot of team members. (laughs) Actually, no, it's F-U-E or something like that. (laughs) Oh man. I'm like, yeah, that sounds awesome. (laughs) So true. Like we make so many excuses and they give the example of like an employee um, missing a deadline. I, I remember that now he, they, they were supposed to have some big project done and the yeah. employee not get it done for him. And they talked that next day and he's like, I effed up, man. I I'll do better. It won't happen again. It just, this happened. And like he took ownership and that's what I loved about it. Yeah. And, and I know I communicated this with you. I'm working with a, a fitness coach and I didn't do all the cardio that he had prescribed me. And um, you know, I had to just say, I didn't do it. I could have gotten up earlier. I, yes, I had sick kids. I had travel. I had cold weather. I had every excuse in the book to throw his way. Do you think he's going to care? No, no. No. F your excuses that I didn't do the work. The clients don't care. Like it just, you have to do the work and you have to. And and if you don't, you own that. Yeah. You don't mm-hmm. try to blame it on something. Um, and then the next one, I love this one. Um, I literally try everywhere I go, but we go above and beyond. Uh, my example of that is 
I'm in the gym, in the bathroom, and there's paper towels on the floor. Why is that the cleaning lady's job to pick up somebody else's mess? It's not. So whoever sees it, it's their job. Honestly, whoever the person was that left them there, it's their job to pick it up, but they didn't do it. Um, for, so me, it's, it's for, me, it's streak, for me, it's the streaks on the toilet. Cause I wouldn't want anybody else to come in and say, who did Sean do that? <laughs> <laughs> We're really going to say that one on here. <laughs> No, it's so true though. Like there's just people who are just don't have, don't care. And, um, but the thing is, is that is their problem, but we're not going to make it our problem. Right. And so the shopping cart, it's so funny because our kids get so mad at people that leave their shopping carts out because we do not leave shopping carts out. No, Uh, but That's just like personal life example, but a going above and beyond, you know, I think a good example of this would be, um, you know, if you are working with a client that, you know, struggles coming up with food ideas and you see something that you think maybe they would like screenshot it and send them the example of the recipe, whatever, you know, just that's above and beyond. You don't have to do that. They're not expecting you to do it. You're just doing it. Um, and then the last one, was we do what we say when we say we're going to do it. Now, I, I can definitely say like that one really resonates with me. And I really take a lot of pride in doing that, right? Like you just you just have to do the right thing and you can't leave people hanging. People want to know, people want it done right. And if you're going to commit to something, you need to do it. So that's what I, I like. All four of them are just awesome. You don't want to be known as that person that somebody cannot count on. I wish I could literally distill all four of his core values because it just resonates so I'm much. Copy and paste those <laughs> over. <laughs> I'll, see if the team, I'll see if our team can buy into those core values as much as his team has. So here's one, why we started and how we are different. I feel like we are different because number one, there's a lot of revenue and business coaches out there in the industry. Um, And those are needed, right? They're necessary. We couldn't tell you the best Facebook ad to put out there. However, we know exactly what you need to do from a financial standpoint to make your business successful. Well, and just uh, like we started as a financial business, financial coaching company, Mm -hmm. right? That's our like stake in the ground. That is what we do. And we only added all our other services is to provide a service for well we added it because it wasn't getting done and we couldn't properly provide the service we were trying to provide so for example when we sit down with you and we're trying to give you strategy and advice for your business in a financial manner but yet you haven't had your books done for the last six months what data do we have to even look at and and there was a time a part of me is like yeah you just need bookkeeping that's fine you are where you're at Oh, you just need taxes. It's fine. But it's like one of these things that really came to me. I don't know when exact time it came to me. It's like, you know what? We're going to be just like any other firm out there if we allow that to happen because mm-hmm. the clients are not going to actually get what they need. And then they're going to be dissatisfied over the time. And then that's our name at stake. Well, and I want to, I guess, pause you there for a second because this is exactly okay. So we talked about why we started, right? There was a, a need. And a, and a hole in the marketplace 
for the financial side to be taken care of. But how we are different is we are not a commodity. We aren't just going to a la carte, do the data entry bookkeeping. Do you know We have so many people that come to us and say, well, I just need bookkeeping or I just need somebody to file my taxes. The thing is, is if we just do that for you, we're going to be just like all the other companies out there that you're dissatisfied with because we're not wrapping it all around and, yep. and giving you what you need. And we know what you need. You don't even know what you need yet, but we do because that's what we started out doing. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. Like, you know, we, our goal is to build this umbrella um, to take care of all the financial needs our clients have and have a, a, a team lead and communications just a little bit better and not going outside of things. So like I'm more and more, it actually feels good to me if someone comes to us and says, I just need taxes as in, you know, we're just maybe not a good fit because that's just not who we are. It's not our culture. It's not our mission. And this is just, I just came to us recently and it's mm-hmm. like it's kind of changed the game for us in, in our direction. It's been really cool. Well, because we got to stand by what we believe in, right? I mean, it's just like if somebody comes to somebody that is a um, you know mindset specialist and they get a client that just wants macro tracking, right? Like you can get an app for that, yeah, for fifteen dollars a month or whatever. It's just different. Um, so moving on, Layla Hermosi, I really enjoyed listening to her. You're kind of a fan girl, huh? A fan girl, yeah, probably <laughs> probably a fan girl. But talking about getting uncomfortable, um, I think it is so relatable because how many people, how many of you guys out there don't exactly love to talk about your finances, right? I mean, it's a very uncomfortable situation, but there's a difference between being uncomfortable and being irresponsible, right? And I want to talk about that a little bit. So you can be vulnerable and say, you know what? I've realized here's where I'm at. Lay all the cards as they are out on the table. But that doesn't mean we have to continue to be irresponsible with it, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a realization period. It's a, here's where I'm at. All right, let's fix it and let's do better. I mm-hmm. did that personally. Yeah, you did. Um... Well, I just remember, you know, when I had my insurance agency for such a long time, I had so much revenue coming in. And I mean, that sounds like a great thing, right? But when you're irresponsible with money, it's not a great thing, right? You don't know what you're doing. And you have this charity calling for this. You have this, oh, sure. That's a tax write-off for that. I mean, you're literally actually making decisions just for tax purposes. Sometimes I was, I was absolutely. And it wasn't until I said, Sean, here's my freaking mess. We've got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that moment on, I quit being irresponsible. I was extremely uncomfortable. I'm like, this dude's either going to divorce my ass or we're going to get it figured out. <laughs> and luckily we got it figured out. Right. But, but I didn't continue to be irresponsible and we were able to put these pieces back together. I worked very, very, very hard. And ultimately I was able, we were able to sell that business um, and it, and it was one of the and greatest of things, things for our family. It was one of those things. It's like, it was one of those things that like, we didn't sell cause we had to, we sold because we were able to be financially pretty much independent. Now, like it was an amazing chain of events. It was an awesome financial exit. And now we're going to do what we do here. 
and implement yep. all those same tactics that we did for your business, which was amazing. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just think that is a good takeaway because if you're in a position where you're maybe that spender, like I was, maybe you're afraid to be vulnerable and uncomfortable. It's, it's never too late and just get it over with rip off that bandaid and let's figure it out and move on. That's a very good point. Right. It only has to happen once. <laughs> right. I mean, it could happen over and over again if you would choose to continue to be irresponsible. But, but I think, I think when you start seeing that money being put to such good use, it gets addictive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Instead of like that hole getting deeper and deeper, when you start, like, it, it's just, it's so addictive when you start seeing that, that, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but just things snowball. And it gets really good. Yeah. So the next one is what is your industry bullshit? And um, I think I remember who that one was. Layla. 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 Okay. Okay. I'm still fangirling here. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I would say that for the longest time, and we did talk about this, but for the longest time, ours was revenue is the main, like only thing that matters. I think a lot of coaches out there were just only concerned with revenue. You hear this all the time. I had a like making a hundred thousand dollar a month, blah, blah, blah. and they maybe made a hundred thousand dollars one time, or you know, I mean, that's a lot of money, yeah. right? But but the, the, I get what you're saying. It was just all about the revenue. They made a hundred thousand dollars in a week or a month, but then they forget their six months or a year of fulfillment. Um, exactly. And so if you like even that out, they technically make like $30 an hour. Yeah. And I, 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 I believe it because the, the revenue is sexy. I, mm-hmm. I can't argue that. Um, and I will defend that too, is as in you can't have profits without revenue. So you have to have revenue. Yeah. But the thing is, is we only talk about revenue that doesn't necessarily build net worth. That doesn't necessarily put money in our pocket. And the bullshit out there is revenue solves all the problems. I've seen people be not profitable at $80,000 in revenue and not profitable at $800,000 in revenue. Absolutely. More money, more problems. (laughs) Yeah. If you can't become wealthy on $100,000, you might not become wealthy on a million dollars just because it's just what you're chasing and what you're after. And um, I think that the industry is getting better now. Um, I'm hearing yep. a lot of mentors, a lot of business coaches, a lot of people talking about profits now. And I think that's going to be a game changer is start focusing and having, you know, uh, revenue at, as a KPI, key performance indicator, but having profit as the number one KPI. And well, that because would really I tell, tell you how. That, I think what the industry is finally realizing is that when you are looking at the whole picture, you're not going to have these fly by night clients. Like you're going to have long-term retention in your business as a business coach as well. When you're looking out for the whole picture of your client, your nutrition client. So, um, so instead of it being, you know, a one and done scenario, you're going to have a client for a very long time. The years and years, if they're life cycle or the, this is the client lifetime value. The, the longer you keep clients on, the more value you're bringing them, the more money they make, the more profits they have. They have no reason to leave. They're going to stay around forever. And I think that's where there's a shift now. I think people are understanding yep. the longer they keep clients, happier they are, happier everybody is. Yep. And so that's why revenue is not the only number that matters. 
Um, so Ed Milet, this was a really, really good speaker to listen to live. I was so excited to hear him. We listened to his podcast a lot. Um, <laughs> Ed walks by me. <laughs> I'm sitting at our booth. Ed walks by me like two feet from me. And I look like, what's up, Ed? Like shaking my head like we were buddies and just had coffee. And I just realized he doesn't know who I am. <laughs> I so just, Sean, I just I listened to him on podcast. But it's so funny because Sean is notorious for literally saying I had coffee with, and then he'll pause. I mean, I listened to a podcast. <laughs> I mean, I was probably I was listening. You're probably drinking coffee oh, yeah. during that time, but you weren't actually having coffee with Ed Milet. But we did listen to him speak at Coaching Con. So, um, but I really appreciated how he brought up to pay cash so that you can get better deals. And this goes back to um, our previous podcast about leveraging cash. Um, so, I guess talk about that a little bit because I know that you enjoyed hearing that from his perspective, which is super cool. And that goes with our liquidity talks and, and how cash is king, right? So I respect that. I love that. The only thing early on, I don't see as much anymore. Early on though, I've seen some of my clients pay like business mentors and it's $30,000 or whatever. And if they pay in full, it's it's 20,000 or whatever. And it's a $10,000 savings. And you bet you that is an amazing discount. But what had happened, I've seen it happen is they pay the $20,000 and they just don't get what they thought they were going to get. The value went down. And now once you've paid that money, you're probably not getting that money back. Mm -hmm. So even though you're paying a lot more in monthly payments, it's kind of an insurance policy that that person has to keep delivering um, their promise. So that was just one personal experience I have had with paying in full to kind of look at the the Paying in full in regards to like a service provided type of yeah. purchase, but let's talk about how somebody might be able to leverage cash in a way to get a better deal um, in a different way. So for example, a lot of times in a real estate deals, if you have, if you come to the table with cash, you're going to be first one on the table usually. Yeah. yeah. So totally on the asset side of things, paying in cash can get you in the front of the line, get you discounts, um, buying vehicles, buying real estate. Yes, that makes total sense. And some service-based like subscriptions, like if you've had a subscription to something and you know what works, you know, you use it in your business and you can pay for it in full and get a 10, 20% discount, use the cash all day long. It's just being responsible with your money. But the problem, what we see is a lot of people don't take the time to try to build their cash. Okay. So the last thing that I want to talk about is when Ed talked about how God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Did I say that right? I believe so. And the reason that I want to bring that up is because I am, for example, I'm selfishly talking about myself here, but I you know, grew up in the whole music world as a music, Sean calls me a music nerd and, you know, have this artistic personality background, everything. However, I was sort of put into this financial industry. I'm not really even sure. It was just an opportunity that kind of landed and it clicked. And, and I feel like it has kind of led to where we are at now to where I wasn't always good with money. Numbers absolutely drive me crazy, but 
I understand the need and I'm able to, I guess, bring it in a different way than I think, no offense, Sean, but most analytical people are not able to bring that information to the table because it's overwhelming for people like me. And I think being able to um, be vulnerable and, and talk about that and relay that to other people where that's not their strong suit, um, I think has really helped me kind of find more of my purpose in this financial field of, of my why. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that was a great statement. And Ed was um, very powerful on stage. And I loved like, there, he was not apologetic about his Christian views and like how strong he was and his family and faith. And it was just unbelievable to watch people of that magnitude, that power, that, that influence, walk by you just like a normal person. Mm -hmm. I know. I was like recording the speaker on the stage when he walked past and I was like, whoa, that's Ed. That's Ed Bilet. That was one one thing that just stuck with you. They're just normal people. And I feel like it's just goes back to Ryan Suman's core values of do the work. I feel like it all comes down to when opportunity meets preparation, that is luck. A lot of people think that certain people get lucky or have an advantage. And I am such a believer that opportunity meets preparation. If you haven't done the work and the opportunity is in front of you, it's not going to make sense. But if you, yeah, the takeaway for me is just like, you got to have them like the drive, the desire and the confidence. I think the whole saying is not, I can, I will, Mm -hmm. you know, that was pretty powerful. But I will say sometimes you don't have the drive and the desire. <laughs> sometimes you have to just do it anyway, you do the but you don't want to. And that goes back to the a core value. And I think that is why it's so important to have those core values, because those are going to be what gets you through when mm. you're not always in your strong, strongest moment. That's super cool. All right. Well, that is our recap of coaching con 2022. So we thank you guys for listening. Thanks, Sean, for helping me flow through this coaching con experience. All right. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications so that you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you share this podcast, your Instagram story, your Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help other health and fitness entrepreneurs out there succeed in business. We so appreciate you listening in. And until next time, keep your goals high, but keep each step attainable.